chapter 6 in our Bibles. John chapter 6. I appreciate the Lord blessing us today, working in hearts. Appreciate the great special tonight. If you were in the service Wednesday night, this is a very familiar passage because we were just here. John chapter 6, in fact, we're going to read some of the exact same scripture that we read on Wednesday night. John 6 verse 1, when you find your place, if you're able to stand with us, let's all stand tonight out of respect for the reading of God's word. John 6 verse 1, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them, that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. A little something jumped out at me the other night as we were preaching in this passage, and I was spending a little time in this passage. I want to draw your attention to verse number 2 tonight, if I could. Verse 2, the Bible says there, And a great multitude followed him, Notice the next line, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And I want to talk to you a little bit about this subject tonight, who is Jesus? You may be seated tonight, and uh, we're going to pray and jump right into the Bible study tonight. I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, I ask you to forgive me now for anything in my life that could even begin to be a hindrance. And, Father, we plead the blood of Jesus once again over the service. And I pray, God, that you'll bless. Lord, you know the burden of my heart today, and as we come into the service tonight, is this, that this will not just be, and this, that their pastor will not just be tinkling brass or, or sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. God, I, I understand. If, we're not, if, we, if we don't constantly work on it, it's easy to become familiar with preaching. And especially when you hear your pastor preach time and time again, if we're not careful, it's just sort of here we go again. And so God, I pray that that will not be the case tonight. I pray that on purpose we'll make a conscious choice to get something from God tonight. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit now. God, we pray that you'd clear our thoughts. I pray that you'd control our mind. I pray that you'd put your words in my mouth. Save that soul that's nearest hell. I think about that person that raised their hand this morning. God, how I pray that you'll help them soon to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And then, Lord, encourage that one that's discouraged. And I pray, God, that you would continue to build your church. 
Thank you for your, your blessings. Thank you for your love. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, amen. The Bible seems to be, be very clear on why these people were following the Lord Jesus Christ. Simply put, it was because or simply for what he could do for them. The word because there in verse number two, and a great multitude follow him because, the word because means on account of or for the reason that. And then the Bible says that they saw his miracles, which he did. That's the reason that they were following him. We notice, in fact, a little bit later on in the story, it's evident that these people that the Bible is referring to here weren't necessarily seeking spiritual sustenance as much as they were physical fulfillment. Look at, look at your Bibles tonight, if you will, a little bit further down in the story. We didn't read, but John chapter 6 and verse number 24 says, When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. And then the Lord says, Labor not for that meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you for him hath God the Father sealed. In other words, these people were looking for something they could get from the Lord. They were looking for more bread. They were looking for more physical fulfillment. I'm not preaching on this tonight, but I do want to at least visit this just a little bit tonight. I believe we're there in this day concerning religious worship. Amen. Many are seeking physical enjoyment rather than spiritual fulfillment. They want music that stirs the flesh and music that moves the body. A light show that tantalizes the eyes. And on top of that, Pastor, I don't want to wear anything that might discomfort my physical body. If I want to come in my shorts and flip-flops, then I want to be free to do that. Now, let me say very quickly, everybody's welcome at Calvary. And they're welcome regardless. Y'all know that. I don't even think I have to preach that. Everybody's welcome. If somebody were to come and say, Pastor, I don't have a tie, come without a tie. If someone were to come and say, Pastor, I don't even own a suit, come without a suit. Everybody, everybody is welcome at Calvary Baptist Church. But I would say this. You know what? I, when I come to the house of God on Sunday, I come in my Sunday best. Now, Sunday best is different for everybody. And so your Sunday best may not be my Sunday best. But because I'm attending my heavenly Father's house, at least to me, that's a special event. So if I were to receive a letter or, uh, or somebody were to call me and they were, to, they were to say, Reverend Pope, this is the uh, secretary of the White House or this is President Trump's uh, chief of staff, and the president wants you to come to the White House this coming Friday, and he wants to meet you in the Oval Office. How many think for a second I'd show up in a pair of shorts and a flip-flop? Tank top. Don't worry about shaving that day. Don't worry about combing my hair. Y'all with me tonight? 
Now listen, man, I'm gonna ask you, and by the way, most people, even if they differ what I'm talking about tonight, most people would agree that if they were invited to the Oval Office, they would at least try to dress up. So answer me a question. Why is it right to dress up for the White House and to dress down for God's house? I don't understand that. Well, you say, I know, but preacher, I'd be, I would be standing before Donald Trump. Well, every Sunday you come to the house of God, you're not standing before Donald Trump. You're standing before God Almighty. And so whatever your Sunday best is, I'm just telling us that uh, when we come to the house of God, it's, it's that we ought to look our best. It's not for what we can get out of it necessarily. But most people, most people follow Jesus for what he can do. And I'm not trying to be critical of that necessarily. If that's the only reason you follow Jesus, I'm thankful that I can report to you tonight, he can do a lot of things. He can do a lot. He can provide. He can protect. He can answer your prayers. He can love you when you don't feel lovable. He can fulfill you when you feel unfulfilled. And so I I, I get that. But again, I want to say this. Unfortunately, though, for most, if they feel like Jesus has stopped doing, then they stop following. When you follow Jesus for what you can get, when when, when he stops producing bread and fish, you have a tendency to stop following Jesus. When you're just trying to find what you can get. To be honest with you tonight, Calvary, most, for most Christians, pretty much their Christian life is let's make a deal. Uh, Lord, as long as you do everything I need you to do, as long as you answer my prayers, as long as you keep my marriage intact, as long as you help my kids to turn out right, as long as I never hear the words, you have cancer, as long as my health is good, as long as everything's going great, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to follow you. But the truth of the matter is, you know what? When the marriage isn't going great, when the kids don't go the direction we think they ought to go, and when the doctor comes out and says you have cancer, regardless of the circumstances, we ought not follow Jesus for what we can get or what he can do, but we ought to follow Jesus for who he is. And it is a great day. It is a great day in the life of the child of God when we no longer follow Jesus for what he can give us, but we just simply follow him for who he is. Man, listen, when I first got saved, and I can, I can relate. Now, by the way, I'm not, we have young Christians, older Christians here tonight, so I'm not picking on anybody this evening. When I first got saved, it was so good to be saved from hell. By the way, there's nothing wrong with getting saved so you can miss hell. That's not a, that's not a bad reason. That's a real good reason after we preached on hell this morning. That's a real good reason. But I would say this, the more that you walk with him and the more that you understand him and the more that you listen to him and the more you fellowship with him, oh, I want to tell you what, now I'm beginning to realize that the greatest thing about salvation is not being saved from hell, but the greatest thing about salvation is being saved to him and fellowshipping with him and spending time with him and loving him. Now, wait a minute. I know that not all of you are there. I, I get it. But I want to say again, one of the greatest days of your life when you'll finally get to that point where you say, you know what? I serve him for who he is and not what he does. So the question tonight is this, who is he? Who is Jesus Christ? 
Can I give you just a few thoughts tonight? How about this? Number one, he is the restorer. The restorer of broken lives. The restorer of broken dreams. We used to recite the poem, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. But I came here tonight as your pastor to tell you this, what all the king's horses cannot do and what all the king's men cannot do. Hallelujah. I serve a Savior that can do what men cannot do. And you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I've fallen. I'm broken. I preacher, my life got off track. And, and you say, Pastor, is there any hope for me? Hallelujah. I'm glad I can tell you tonight. Tell me, let me tell you who he is. He's the greatest restorer that there's ever been. He's the restorer. He is the restorer. And uh, scripture, you don't have to turn there, but scripture early on gives us a picture of who Jesus is in the book of Ruth. We call him the kinsman redeemer. In the Bible, I'll just read it for you. The Bible says in Ruth chapter four, verse 14, and the women said unto Naomi, blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 58, 12, and they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Oh, it's a good day when you follow him because he's the restorer. If you study your Bibles, the, the gospel specifically, you'll find out that when Jesus was on the cross, there was just a handful of people there. One of the people that were at the cross of Calvary was a lady by the name of Mary, Mary Magdalene. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think Mary probably knew, by the way, Mary was broken. And I think probably by this time here the Lord Jesus Christ is. He's got nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And I think probably Mary's got it figured out that the days of miracles for her are gone. He's hanging on the cross between heaven and earth. He's probably not going to multiply the bread and fishes anymore. He's probably not going to be casting out demons there's probably not a whole lot that the Lord Jesus Christ now crucified to two wooden beams. There's probably not a whole lot that Jesus is going to be able to do physically for Mary Magdalene. But oh, I want to tell you what, my dear friend, I believe that Mary was not at the foot of the cross for what he could do for her, but Mary was there because of who he is. Uh, listen, she loved him. She knew that he restored her life. He put her life back together. And because of that, Mary was at the foot of the cross. He's the restorer. Hold your place at John. And I want you to go with me, please, to Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18 tonight in your Bibles. We'll come back to Jeremiah to John 6 at the very end of the message. But notice, if you will, Jeremiah 18. And in verse number three, the Lord gives the prophet Jeremiah sort of an odd, an odd request. And he says to the prophet Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house. We pick up that story in Jeremiah 18 and verse number three. The Bible says, then I went down to the potter's house. 
And behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and look at this next line. And the vessel that he made of clay was, what was wrong with it? It was marred. That word marred there in your Bible means ruined. It was ruined. And the vessel that he made was ruined. It means cast off. <laughs> you know what? This vessel was messed up. It was broken. It was deformed. It didn't turn out like it was supposed to. And so normally in a situation like that, you would just cast it off. It was ruined. But look what it says. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Hang on, Calvary. But the Bible says, so he made it again. Another vessel has seemed good to the potter to make it. I love it. That word again there means restored. It means refreshed. It means repaired. In other words, I'm telling you that if you're here tonight or you're watching by way of live stream and you say, Pastor, my life is broken. I'm, I'm strung out on drugs. I, I'm living the life of an alcoholic. My life is a shambles. My life is, is, is all, to, all up, up to pieces. And you say, Preacher, have you got any good news? Yes, I've got some good news. I'm glad I can report to you that Jesus Christ can rebuild and Jesus Christ can rebuild fresh and Jesus Christ can restore and what programs cannot do and what uh, organizations cannot do. I'm telling you my dear friend, Jesus Christ can do. Yes, he can do. You say, why? Because hallelujah, he is the restorer tonight. Who is Jesus? Well, number one, he's the restorer. I like this next one though. Number two, he is the resurrection. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believed on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. By the way, he is the only resurrection. He is the only one that can lay claims to this right here. Because he is the resurrection, guess what? I can live a resurrected life too. How many people do you know tonight that are living life like they're dead, in the rut of life. Someone once said the rut is a grave with both ends knocked out. You know what I'm talking about. You know people like that. Hardly ever smile, hardly any joy, no fulfillment in life. It seems like they're just getting by. In fact, they may even tell you that. You'll say, how are you doing? Well, I'm making it. I'm making it. I mean, we're getting by. Life's pretty rough. We're coming up on the rough side. Oh, I want to tell you, my dear friend, listen, if you'll ever get to the point where you quit following him for what you can get and start following him for who he is and realize that he is the resurrection and the life and because he has the keys to death, hell, and the grave and he's come out of the grave and he's living a resurrected life, guess what, Christian? Good news, good news. You too can live a resurrected life in Jesus Christ. Man, your life doesn't have to be in the grave. Your life doesn't have to be in the dirt. Oh, I serve him tonight because he's life. I love it in John chapter 6, verses 66 through 68. And the Bible says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go Thou hast the words of eternal life. By the way, can I ask you tonight, where are you going to go? 
If you desert him, where are you going to turn? What are you going to turn to? Going to go back to that old lifestyle? Going to go back to those saloons and nightclubs and hangouts and those dark, smoky bars? Paul said, what fruit had ye then in those things whereof now you are ashamed? Hey, Calvary, and those that are watching my way of live stream, there's no happiness back there. There's no joy, there's no contentment, there's no satisfaction back there, but I'm glad I get to serve him who is life, he who is the resurrection. Who is Jesus? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Who is Jesus? Well, he's the restorer. Who is Jesus? Well, he's the resurrection. But I like this last one. Who is Jesus? Number three, he is the redeemer. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 63, 16, doubtless thou art our father through Abraham, though Abraham be ignorant of us. And Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our father, our redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. Psalm 106, verse number 10. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated him and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. He's our redeemer, our redeemer. We hear that word redeemed. Are you redeemed? Jesus redeemed you. Redeemed. What what in the world? What does that mean, preacher? Well, the word redeemed there means to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. And Calvary, Salvation for you was free, but it was mighty pricey. It was very expensive. God gave his only son so you and I could be saved and go to heaven. Old story, old story. A little boy had sent off and he received a, a kit to build a boat. He was so excited. Couldn't wait till he got it. And he finally, it finally came in the mail and man, he was ecstatic. He took it very carefully out of the box and got all the pieces arranged and he got his directions out and very carefully he began to assemble that boat. He very meticulously put every little piece together and glued it just right and after he got the the boat together then he began to build the sails. After he got the sails put together he began to paint the boat and he painted it just the colors that he wanted and Then he let the paint dry, and then he began to put some shellac on it and clear it. Oh, it was beautiful. I mean, it was a sight to behold. Well, the big day had finally come. He was going to go sell it and see how it would, see if it was water worthy. He goes down to the lake, and and it was a a, a windy day, and he puts it out in the water, and, and, and sure enough, it flows. Perfect. Everything's great. It's selling great. But then the wind got in the sails and it began to push the little boat out from shore too deep for the little boy to reach the the boat and and it went further and further out into the lake and finally the wind blew the little boat until it was completely out of sight. The little boy was heartbroken. He was absolutely devastated. A few days later he was up the little town and he was walking past the little hobby store there and he looked in the picture window of the hobby store and there was his boat. There it was in all of its glory. 
And he ran into the store and talked to the store owner. He said, sir, that's my boat. I want my boat. I want my boat. That's my boat. I want my boat. And that store owner said, son, I'm sorry. You can't take that boat. I paid for that boat. He said, you can have it. But he said, you're going to have to pay for it. That little boy went out of there. And for days and days and days, he worked and he raked leaves and he mowed yards and did little odd jobs and he saved every penny. He didn't spend it. He just saved every penny. And finally, he got exactly what he needed. He ran back down to that hobby store and he went up to that counter and he said, sir, I want my boat. That's my boat. I want my boat. Man, he took all that change and those coins out as little kids would do and he piled them all on the on the counter, and that store owner counted them one by one by one. And sure enough, he said, young man, you've got enough. He said, the boat is yours. That little boy came out of that little hobby shop, and he was hugging that boat. And this is what he was saying, you're mine. You're mine. You're mine twice. He said, I built you, and now I bought you. And I want to tell you what, Calvary Baptist Church, thank God he built me. But one day, he also bought me. Amen. God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, into this sin-cursed earth. And Jesus took my sins upon him. And Jesus Christ took your sins upon him. And he went to the cross of Calvary. And there he bled and he suffered and he died an agonizing death. And he paid your hell and he paid my hell that I preached about this morning. And thank God I remember the day when the Lord saved me. You say, Pastor, how do you know you're saved? Because I was there when it happened. That's how I know. You say, Pastor, why do you serve the Lord? Why do you serve the Lord? Well, I think I could say I used to serve him for what I could get. I was looking for some of the bread. By the way, he still gives it. I was looking for the fish. I'm sure there were some times when the Lord could have came to me and said, you know what, really, all you want is what I can give you. I'm pretty sure that was my testimony. But oh, happy day, happy day. When you finally come to that place and you say, Jesus, if you don't do another thing for me the rest of my life, I'm going to follow you. Can I show you something real quick? But We're done. But can I show you something real quick? I want you to turn back to John chapter 6. And I'm going to leave you with this thought. We're done. You understand that Jesus loves everyone. But I want you to know this, Calvary. He offers his presence and his favor to those who simply love him for who he is. Look, if you will, John chapter 6, verse number 2 again. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. But verse 3 is interesting. You notice here that Jesus, although this multitude were following him for what he could do, we notice that Jesus did not stay with the multitude. But in verse 3, the Bible says, And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And Jesus said, I'm going to be with that crowd. I'm going to give my fellowship. I'm going to give my favor to those people who just serve me, not so they can get some bread, not so they can get some fish, not so, you know what, they don't have to go to work. You know, I'll just provide for all of them. I'm going to give my fellowship and favor to those who just come to me every day and say, Lord, 
Have I told you I love you? Boy, he's amazing, isn't he? Amen. I ain't done this in a while. Y'all mind if I do it? He's amazing. And he's awesome. And he's almighty. And he's alpha and omega. He's the beginning and the ending. He's blessed. He's beautiful. He's caring. He's compassionate. He's my counselor. He's my convictor. Hey, he is, uh, he's dedicated, but he's diligent. And uh, he is eternal, and he's everlasting. He's exquisite, and he's excellent. He's the giver of everlasting life. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's faithful to the end. He's the forgiver of my sins. He's good, and he's great. He's generous, and he's giving. He's gracious, and he's God. He's holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. He's infinite. He's inexhaustible. He's immutable. And I'm thankful for the immutability of his scriptures. He is, uh, uh, he's inexplicable. He's just. And Jesus is the son of the living God. He's kind, and he's king of kings. He's love, and he's Lord, and he's Lord of lords, and he's long-suffering, and he's the last. Hey, he is, uh, he's merciful and he's mighty and he's majestic and he's majesty. He's noble and he's needful to me and he's never ending. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's powerful. He's precious. He's the prince of peace and the prince of glory. Amen. I want to tell you what, he's the high potentate of heaven. I want to tell you what, he, he is great. He is, uh, hey, he's quick and he's quality and he's qualified and I'm thankful for the quiet and still voice of the Holy Ghost. He's right and royal and righteous and regal and he's righteousness and I'm thankful for the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. He's significant. He's our savior. He's supreme. He's sacred. He's truth. He's trustworthy and he's triumphant. Amen. He's understanding. He's unmoved, unchanged and never undone. Always undefeated, most certainly undervalued and always underestimated. He's victorious. He's valiant. He gives the victory. He's wonderful. He's wondrous. He's the wonder of wonders. He's the word of God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he's why I am so happy. Amen. Hey, he's excellent in all his ways. And you are the altogether lovely one. I want to tell you what, he's worthy of our zeal. He's worthy of our zest. He's Zion's captain. And I want to tell you what, he is the zenith of all that is good and all that is great and all that is powerful. He is Almighty God tonight. It is a great day when you finally get to the place and you say, Lord, I'm yours. I'll take some bread and fish, but if you don't give it, you still got me. Who is Jesus? He's worthy of our following. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we've had together today. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to just come in here tonight and brag on you. Forgive us, Lord, when we serve you only for the fish and the bread and the miracles and the stuff. And as long as you give me good health, I'll serve you. As long 
as my house never catches fire, I'll serve you. As long as you give me the job and the promotion that I'm looking for, I'll serve you. But Lord, tonight, would you give us a bunch of folks at Calvary Baptist Church who will say, Jesus, I'm a follower of thee, not for what I can get, but for who you are. I pray that you'll bless this invitation. Thank you for being our restorer. Thank you for being the resurrection. And Lord, we thank you for being our redeemer. Have your way now, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's all stand tonight. Mostly our folks, I think. If you're here tonight as the pianist plays, if God spoke to your heart about a need or a decision, why don't you just slip out tonight and make your way to an old-fashioned altar. Maybe tonight some folks just need to come and just bow before the Savior. Maybe tonight somebody needs to come and just say, Lord, I'm yours. Regardless, if everything works out, I'm going to follow you. But Lord, tonight, if everything doesn't work out, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to serve you for who you are. It could be tonight somebody just, just needs to come and say, Lord, you're great. I'm just going to come and praise you tonight, worship you. We're going to pause just for a few moments. and Folks are coming. If you're here tonight and there's a need of salvation or something we can pray with you about, listen, the altar's open. We'll be here. You come. While we wait tonight, you come.